This is Unfiltered, episode 261 for November 29th, 2017. And good morning, everybody. Welcome to today. And Hoda's here with me at this morning because this is a sad morning here at Today and at NBC News. Just moments ago, NBC News chairman Andy Lack sent the following note to our organization. Dear colleagues, on Monday night, we received a detailed complaint from a colleague about inappropriate sexual behavior in the workplace by Matt Lauer. It represented, after serious review, a clear violation of our company's standards. As a result, we have decided to terminate his employment. While it is the first complaint about his behavior in the over 20 years he has been at NBC News, we were also presented with reason to believe this may not have been an isolated incident. That is the statement from our chairman, Andy Lack. And we just learned this moments ago, just this morning. As I'm sure you can imagine, we are devastated and we are still processing all of this. It's time to brush off all those crumbs from those turkey sandwiches that you've had over the past week. Om, nom, nom. And it's time again to settle in for another edition of Unfiltered, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show about the news you shouldn't be watching. I'm Chase. Hitting the bells is Chris. Hey, buddy. At least one of them. Oh, my God, man. There's rumors going around there may be multiple bells in this studio. There's a, there's a few. We can't confirm nor deny, but we can seem to confirm. Well, Mr. Chase. By the way, that, that opening. What, a, what an opening, huh? Oh, my God. So You can see like she when, was choking it back. When did whole... you find out? This about... morning when I got up. Yeah. I, I slept until like, slept until so, 7.30. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm up at 4.30 a.m. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And so, you know, I always kind of glance down at my phone, see if I had any missed calls, whatever. And top breaking news story, Matt, La- I was like, what yeah. the? Bloop, bloop, bloop. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, crazy yeah, stuff. It really is. Seeing that was, uh, it was really something because you could see, like, all the different networks we're like really struggling with like even how to cover it. Like here's an example of CNN. This is sending shockwaves obviously through newsrooms across the country as well as people turning on their morning news this morning. Matt Lauer obviously has been a staple. He was considered just the best broadcast, I mean one of the best broadcasters of our time. Here is what his co-host Savannah Guthrie. Yeah, they all just gushed about him. So we'll get to that. We're going to get to that and we're going to get to it in the wider context of all of this has been going on. Uh, the court of public opinion and um, the new developments in some of the other stories. But we also have some cyber news this week. Cyber. We also have some serious news from from in the world category, quote unquote, what we call our world category, which is major events going on outside the U.S., like North Korea's new ballistic missile launch. We'll talk about that in the yeah. show. And then a high note, Chase, that uh, I'm, uh, you're going to love this high note because we got we got a couple of them. Like uh, somebody did a commercial of what if uh, what if you saw a big pharma ad for weed? Like what if you saw an ad for weed like you see big pharma commercials? Dude, you're, you're stealing the ideas of like the YouTube yeah. ideas that we could make. Like, Oh, a, you're so right. Yeah. <laughs> you're so right. Plus, I got an update on that 12-year-old girl who's going after Jeff Sessions to make oh, it. Oh, sweet. Yeah. And did, did mommy get her joint? Yeah, I'm going to make sure. <laughs> mommy needs a joint. All right. Yeah, so let's right. let's start out with cyber. ASL, uh, buddy. So this is uh, – is I'm going to set the stage here and see if you notice something a little different. Can you imagine your life without electric power? When the president rolled out his... Until February 2009, retired Admiral Mike McConnell was the nation's top spy. As chief of national intelligence, he oversaw the Central Intelligence Agency, the Defense Intelligence Agency, and the National Security Agency. 
few people know as much about cyber warfare and our dependency on the power grid and the computer networks that deliver our oil and gas, pump and purify our water, keep track of our money, and operate our transportation systems. If I were an attacker and I wanted to do strategic damage to the United States, I would either take uh, the cold of winter or the heat of summer. I probably would attack electric power on the U.S. East Coast, maybe the West Coast, and attempt to cause a cascading effect. It, all of those things are, are in the art of the possible uh, from a sophisticated attacker. Now, uh, what's great about this clip is that this is the same shit they've been saying now for years. This is That's from true. seven years ago. Yeah. Do you believe our adversaries have the, have the capability of bringing down a, a power grid? Uh, I do. Is the U.S. prepared for such an attack? No. So here's, uh, now here's where we've come in seven years. Here's where our industry has come to really step up to the challenge. All right. Really take it on and bring expertise into the field to secure America's digital well, doesn't it seem like every other day we're hearing how our information may have been stolen because a company was hacked? Well, guess what that means? Cybersecurity jobs, they are on the rise, and I'm hearing it's quite lucrative. Oh. Yeah, it's all about pumping money, you know, right? I, I had this uh, business plan idea many, maybe about 15, 20 years ago where I was going to stick a Wi Fi antenna on my car and I was going to war drive through neighborhoods. Any open access point that I found, I would go knock on their door. Would and, you like me to secure your network? That's right. It's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. There you go, you guys. That one's for free. Have fun. <laughs> Chase an idea guy. You run with it. If it, if it works out, kick up your patronage. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. 5% and yeah. Uh, some of the residuals is fine. So this is, this is what scares me about cyber is that it's getting staffed by people that don't know what the hell they're talking about. And they're filling positions with people that are totally new. Rachel Harpley from RecruitBit and David Hernandez from Arizona Statewide Cyber Workforce Consortium. They are here to tell us more about this booming industry. Great to have both of you. Oh, yeah. And Rachel, great... for those watching, what is a cybersecurity? What job? is cyber? That's a great question. No, it's not. That's not a great question. That is n literally not. That's a very basic question hey, for hey, those guys. Hey, 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 to be fair, yes, it is a, a softball question. Yeah. But it is showing politeness to the interviewee that's saying, hey, thank you for asking a great question because there are people watching at home that may be stupid. Yeah, but it's when it's not a great question, it's like the opposite of complimentary. Yeah, I know. But it's television. You always say it's a good question. Great to have both of you. And Rachel, for those watching, what is a cybersecurity job? That's a great question. And it's a wide variety. There's over uh, several dozen types of roles, everything from development, infrastructure, defensive networking, penetration testing, and even non-less technical roles like uh, risk, audit, compliance, those so types of things. So it's big. It's a big gamut of, of, of different um, yes. opportunities to get into this world. So risk, <laughs> risk audit, uh, those kinds of roles, those are sort of like people that would check a, a, a report that a technical person did right. against an right. auditor's requirements and then tell you where you failed, like really kind of just would you say middle management stuff. Part of this would be installing Kaspersky. Oh sure, sure, yeah, okay, definitely cool. of cybersecurity. And I'm understanding, David, there are so many unfilled jobs, not just nationwide, but here in Arizona. Yeah, definitely. There's about six to seven thousand job openings here in Arizona. Did you know that? Six to seven thousand. I'm gonna move to Arizona. I'm well, only half kidding, too. Like, first only, of all, I'm sick that, of the weather, and second of all, that's for cyber only. Yeah, I, I could get a cyber and job, and then you'd have to live in McCain State. So that, yeah, that's your call. Yeah, but it's way nicer right now than it is here. It was really hot in the summer. I mean, really hot. Yeah, that's true. really hot. 
So they they throw around a number here in a moment that really sounds fake to me. And I I'm, I just want to play it and then we'll get done. But see, my point that I'm making here with this clip is how how screwed this industry is if this is how they're going about recruiting people. Yeah, definitely. There's about six to 7,000 job openings here in Arizona. And about uh, uh, it is projected that there's going to be about one and a half million unfulfilled jobs by 2020. All right. So what are you guys doing? You have a big event coming up to try and fill some of those jobs. What is this event? Yeah, the uh, it's a cyber security career exploration event. And the goal is to answer that question, what is cybersecurity? So mm-hmm. uh, attendees will get a chance to hear from folks in the career, how they got to it, what they do every day. What does it mean to be a penetration tester? And so they're really screwed. They're really screwed. But if this the, is their, by, you like that smiley face? Yeah, on you see yeah, that? I did see that. Yeah. yeah. But the other thing I was going to think of, huh. uh, are they going to provide links to Google to, to show you what they mean? Because, I mean, it's like, come on. Yeah, we need to be recruiting people. I, I, so I should make it clear what I do think. I don't. I think we need to be recruiting people who are self-motivated, people yeah. that have been knocking on the doors of businesses when they were bored because it's what was fun for them. People who are interested in distributions like ba- ba- um, Backtrack and uh, penetration testing tools. Yeah. and That's the kind of people that you need to be recruiting, not people that are like, what is cyber? What is cyber? Maybe, you know, I've been painting fences hey, for 30 hey, years. Maybe hey. I'll do some cyber. Now, to be fair, Chris, this this kind of recruitment technique has been happening for years. I mean, I don't <laughs> know if you I don't know if you remember back in was in late 90s, early 2000s, mm. where the uh, U.S. Army worked with a video game development studio and they oh, yeah. uh, made America's Army because we wanted to recruit people that were video game centric, you know, and first person shooter clickers and things like that. So yeah. to, to go out and try to recruit in a different way. I mean, I was waiting for the, the, the H1 visa spin on this, saying, oh, we can't find qualified people. I mean, that's coming. That's coming. Yeah. That is coming. Because you know when they start projecting the jobs for 2021, those are bullshit numbers. Oh, yeah. So that's coming. You just That's the next thing. Right. You could you could red book that sucker, right. my friend. Well, and then you know the only people that are good at this are you know Russians and yeah, North Koreans, of course. Well, and um, um, sometimes Iran when we need them to be. Right. Sometimes uh, ISIS. Oh, and it is Israel. You know they do the hacking over there. Yeah, too. that's true. You got yeah. the Israel, and then I bet one day we'll give it to the Canadians. I, I would imagine. Uh. So <laughs> that? that's Cooper. That's that's, 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 that's that's a new one. I, oh my gosh, it's Anderson <laughs> Cooper, everybody. <laughs> yeah, like, I just had to grab it. I can't help. I had, I had to watch a lot of Cooper this week. Uh, uh, so there is uh, been a story for ages. I mean, I think before this show was a show, but I'm not positive that Amazon signed a huge old deal with the CIA to set up like a separate EC2 instance. Just oh for, yeah, you remember this? I would do. Yes. How do you feel about that? You got any? You got any? Especially now that Bezos owns the Washington Post. You got any? And the fact, well, you know, what's interesting is a lot of the leaks that came from intelligence agencies were through the Washington Post. I mean, so it's. Just, I, it's it's weird to me, but at the same time, it's like I don't really trust the government to do things on their own because infrastructure wise, right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, it's okay. I'm doing the uh, you guys. I'm doing the hand thing, you know, back yeah. and forth. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, let me know what you think after this one. All right. The U.S. intelligence community has struck a deal with Amazon for the company to provide data storage. The online giants developed a special project tailored exactly to the government's needs. Jacqueline Vuga explains. The line between political business and commercial business is getting thinner by the day, especially when it comes to Internet and tech giants. Let's start with Amazon, which has just announced a new deal to provide a tailored cloud service to the U.S. intelligence community. This secret region, yes, that's really its name, comes on top of Amazon's existing $600 million contract with the CIA. 
Yep, that's right. This is a second deal. This is this is deal number two. Its name comes on top of Amazon's existing $600 million contract with the CIA and other agencies. And the CIA's chief information officer couldn't be more excited about the partnership. Now, we named it Commercial Cloud Services or C2S for a reason. It's because we want to be like commercial. We don't want to be like government. We wanted the best of breed. That's why we partnered with Amazon. And they aren't alone. Just last month, Microsoft announced a similar partnership over a dedicated cloud for the U.S. government and their partners. Microsoft is partnering with the U.S. government in the journey to the cloud, providing both infrastructure and platform offerings to enable digital transformation. Meanwhile, a treasure trove of connections were uncovered between U.S. politics and Internet heavyweights after last year's presidential election. And then, I don't know, then you almost consider this in the light of net neutrality, too, and how we're centralizing and sol- and putting things in solos. Uh, silos. Silos, thank yeah. you, on the Internet. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it just, it sort of, it, it creeps me out more. Although I don't, I, 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 I don't really... A lot of people on YouTube are taking this to the extreme and saying, well, the Echo, here you go, confirmed, the Echo is a CIA listening device. <laughs> no. And I'm not making that leap. I know. It's a, everybody knows it's an NSA device, right? I mean, come on. <laughs> so, I mean, so you got one side of people that complain that the government just is getting too big and they're doing too much on their own. And they, they need to diversify and privatize. I mean, you see that happening with the space uh, you know, uh, station and, you know, a private companies sending up rockets and things like that. And so the government's going out and going, all right, we're going to go to uh, Microsoft and set up probably Azure or something like that. And they're going to go to Amazon and set up web services and, you know, use them for, for storage. And, and, and frame stuff. And then you got people like, well, no, 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 we shouldn't. We shouldn't let them do that because they're going to, you know, Amazon and Google and, and Microsoft's going to look at our stuff. So it's like you can't have it both ways. Which way, which way do you want it? Do you, or do you want to set up a, another this, government the entity? In the, where, where, I think where the, the root of the fear is, is what happens if um, that deal is too good to turn down for Amazon. Like that is, you know, a $600 million deal for one, another huge deal. And so one day, you know, the CIA director comes to Jeff and he says, uh, we know that this uh, Julian Assange character had as a couple of S3 buckets on the public side. We're going to need access to that. And you don't say no in that scenario. Or let's say it's some other big famous terrorist. So it's some big, big name in the news. Big Daddy discovered alive. Right. Big Daddy's yeah. S3 bucket. I think the fear is is that Amazon would be too influenced by that sweet paycheck they're getting from the CIA. You got to figure it's that makes the CIA their largest EC2 customer. Ah, I see the angle that you're going here. So it, it's a, it's one of those possibilities where this is the kind of a clouded blackmail payola kind of a situation where hey we're we're giving well, you stuff it's just and you're, so you you're, should hook us up. You're, well, you're always incentivized to make your most important client happy. Yeah. You want to keep the number one client happy, and if you know bringing in nearly uh, a bill in in CIA fees means that you can turn that around and invest that in EC two and kick the shit out of Azure and Rackspace now because you just got a bill from the federal government and they're not going anywhere. Right. To me, it seems like it just would be too damn good to turn down, man. It'd be too good. I think that's where the fear comes in. Right. You know, and I understand the fear could be justified. Uh, but in, until the the next uh, government leak happens, I, I guess we'll just have to hope and uh, 
pray. Yeah. In the meantime, we got to worry more about Uber and D- DJI and all oh, them people. Don't get me started the, about oof. Uber. Uh, oh, did you see what DJI did too? No, I got to cover that in one of my shows. It's uh. pretty bad. Uh, okay, so I want to I want to talk about something that uh, this that was that actually inspired the segment in the show, and that was the Edward Snowden leaks. Specifically, now I want to talk about the reauthorization of Section Seven Hundred Two. Seven Hundred Two. That uh, allows for the FISA provisions that gives the NSA the loophole to whole cloth – I say whole cloth because I like it that way – spy on the Americans. We're talking all content, not just metadata. And it's coming up and the discussion is heated. Congress hasn't yet been able to agree on how to fix health care, immigration or the tax code. But they might be able to come together on at least one thing, entrenching America's surveillance state, which, by the way, is aimed at you. For the first time since Edward Snowden fled to Russia, the FISA law, which enables the collection of Americans' private communications, is up for congressional reauthorization, and Congress seems poised to approve it quickly. Should they? Now, let's uh, shift and uh, get coverage from another angle. Uh, we'll keep going on the same topic, though. Welcome back, Liberty lovers. you got to listen up, because I've got two very important stories that could directly affect your personal freedom and privacy. Kennedy, right? That's her name? That's Kennedy. Kennedy. Yeah. yeah, so put up with Kennedy here for a second because the judge comes on and he gives some very interesting details. Former and MTV each will VJ. be coming to a head very soon. Now, first, Congress is poised to extend FISA, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, which allows the government to spy on Americans. Second, the Supreme Court expected to rule on a case that will determine whether police need a warrant to track your cell phone when you are suspected of a crime. Each can be easily abused, which is why, of course, we need to fight back. But will our privacy prevail? In either case, joining me now, Fox News senior judicial analyst, Judge Andrew Napolitano. Judge. Uh, Judge, what is the status of uh, Section 702 of the FISA law? Section 702 of the FISA law is the uh, section that permits federal agents to go to a secret court meeting in Washington, D.C. and get a warrant to listen to telephone calls and capture the content of all electronic or digital uh, communication. We've talked about this before. See, if you recall, the PRISM program gets its name from the fact that it is a PRISM that splits the fiber optic light that's coming out of the connection for the Internet centers. So they have one like an AT&T. They'll have one in Comcast, depending on the ISP. And at the time of the Snowden leaks, and it may be different now, at the time of the Snowden leaks, they had a three-day entire contents buffer. After that three days, they dump it to, the, uh, to just the metadata. But for three days, they have, they have the entire content, the entire HTTP session, every image that was transferred, your entire email session, anything you downloaded or transmitted, they've captured all of it because they're doing a full prism split they're splitting the light and they're getting an exact copy of everything everything so when the judge says they have content that's what he means see that if you remember the thing that they really did is they successfully changed the conversation to all about metadata and never talked about this bulk collection that they do for in a three-day buffer oh we just talked about the metadata on the basis of less than what the constitution requires the constitution says no searches without warrants, no warrants without probable cause, meaning there's evidence of wrongdoing on the part of the person that the government wants to surveil. The FISA statute does not require the government to come forth with that evidence. Yeah. They can listen to anybody. But it's worse than that. 
the whole concept of FISA, the whole concept of a federal agent going to a secret court and getting a secret warrant to to conduct secret surveillance is a subterfuge, because in reality, it is far less expensive and easier for the government to simply surveil everyone all the time. And that's what they do. I will say it again. The NSA pretends to be following the FISA statute, the one that expires in a couple of months or one month now, and that they want the Congress to uh, reinstate. In reality, they don't follow that statute. They pretend to follow it. We've seen those abuses. The NSA has has actually uh, come out and said, yeah, this is where we cross the line during the Obama administration. So what they do is they collect everything. And then when they realize, oh, shit, that's an American citizen's thing, we might need that. Uh, then they go back and they get FISA clearance. But they already have it. Right. They just have to turn it on. And isn't it all stored like in servers like when New Mexico or Utah or something like that? We, we did a story Nevada about that. or something. They're yeah, all over. Somewhere I, in the Southwest. But they also have local storage in the big telco closets. Oh, yeah. so. I mean, I remember, you know, we call, you know, the whole prism covering and, you know, the closet in San Francisco yeah. in, a, in the AT&T building. So, so yeah. I think this clip is either, I think it might be from yesterday. Um, and it's a really good buddy. Representative Poe. Oh, oh, that's one of my good friends. Yeah, your good friend. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm not. I'm not a big fan of Poe's. I usually think he comes across hey, in a bit hey, like an idiot. I'm sorry. A, a, I know he's your good buddy. Uh, yeah. But um, damn if he didn't make some good points. And uh, at least he's having. This is the one counter voice I could really hear in the whole FISA reauthorization debate. The chair recognizes the gentleman from Texas, Mr. Poe, for five minutes. Mr. Poe. Mr. Poe. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I ask unanimous consent to uh, revise and extend my remarks. Without objection. Most Americans may not be aware of what is taking place by our government. Our government is spying on Americans, and I think it's in violation of the U.S. Constitution. And all the talk that we've been having the last few weeks, we're missing one of the most basic issues that we hold dear, the right of privacy. Let me explain how it's taking place. Go back to... Uh, Snowden. We didn't know about all of the spying going on in Americans until Snowden revealed that. I'm no fan of his. I think he ought to be prosecuted, but we know information about our government spying on Americans. Let me go and talk about specifically uh, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. Now, there you go. So, and it's a, the rest of the clip's about uh, five minutes long if you want to find yeah. it in the supporter sync. Uh, and I'm just glad to hear at least one voice of dissent. That's you kind know, of nice. And it, it's one of those things where I, I agree wholeheartedly. You know, it's it's one of those things where a lot of Americans – and you get that same attitude over again. Well, if, you know, if you're not doing anything wrong, what's the big deal? Yeah. Because you're losing your right to privacy. I mean to be private. Yeah, there is that. There is the fact that it's just – it is – it is fu- fundamentally against the the Fourth Amendment, so it makes it illegal. Right. But uh, I think more so than that, it that's sort of a selfish. Well, what does it matter if you're not doing anything wrong? It's it's not about the thing I always say. But how we're going to get the terrorists, Chris? You always have to say, well, it's not about you. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter if you're not a pervert or you're not trying to smuggle some money or you're not a terrorist. That doesn't matter. It matters for the person who might be a dissident. It matters for the person who who might be a Martin Luther King of the future. It matters for people that are just perhaps more important than you are. 
Maybe that's just the harsh reality of it. That's the answer. When somebody comes to you and says, well, it doesn't affect me, so I, I'm, I don't do anything wrong. Why do I care? Then you say you're a narcissist son of a bitch who only fucking cares about himself, and it's about people that are more important than you. And if you want to go into more detail, you can. I mean, that's up to you, of course. I, I leave you that luxury. Right. <laughs> yes. Okay, so let's move on from cyber. Although I just – one little just side note about net neutrality. Side cyber. Nothing – there has actually been a couple of interesting stories that I think I have in the show notes about a bunch of the pro-net neutrality comments turning out to be fake. Do you see that? Not only that, but uh, I uh, news dropped today that uh, like what well, was it four five hundred thousand comments uh, had Russian uh, email addresses. Now they don't know obviously because you can always spoof an email address. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. If they actually came from Russia or they were by yeah. bots in U.S. Sounds like but, it probably was bots. But, but but still, right? Yeah. I mean, but still, there's a um, yeah. So there's still and now Kim.com's come out. So he's going to build an alternative web. So you know. All right. Well, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. And yeah, there we go. We'll get on board with that. We'll follow that. Yeah. Let's cover the uh, news coming out of Japan today. Oh. As we, as I woke up, one of the other stories I was seeing is that North Korea had launched another ballistic missile, and so here is the Japanese coverage of that. Hello and welcome to NHK Newsline. I'm Raja Pradhan in Tokyo. We begin with an update on the ballistic missile launched from North Korea. The South Korean military's Joint Chiefs of Staff says North Korea fired the missile early Wednesday morning. Japan's defense ministry says the missile may have fallen into the country's exclusive economic zone after flying for about 50 minutes. South Korean military officials say the missile was launched from Pyongsong in South Pyongyang province and flew eastward. The South Korean military is gathering more information on the missile launch. If the launch is confirmed, it'll be the first by North Korea in over two months. Japanese government sources told NHK the government has detected three projectiles and one of them fell into the sea 210 kilometers off Aomori Prefecture in northern Japan. Japan's chief cabinet secretary, Yoshide Suga, said the government will convene a National Security Council meeting. Now, the uh, UN's also called for an immediate uh, council meeting on, for their security panel, you know, just when things are sort of calming down, you know, just when uh, you hadn't heard anything from Little Rocket Man for, uh, for about 78 <laughs> days. Yeah. Maybe he was looking for another tweet. People are trying to interpret this in a bunch of different ways. I'm kind of curious to hear what you think of uh, Trump's reply to the news. Trump just sort of looks around the room. Well, he, well. Like, to he's be fair, waiting. He, he's waiting for the green light. Yeah. He's waiting for the director to go. But go. he looks like he's on The Apprentice there, doesn't and, he? And, and by the way, this whole setup here, I know it has nothing to do with this particular story. But do you see that he's there's an empty chair to his right yeah. there? Yeah, yeah. There's another empty chair to yeah. his left. Chuck and Nancy. Yeah. 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 And he, oh, I'm going to cover I the overtime. the optics in that crap. I'm going to do stop it. with it. Don't worry. We'll do, don't worry. Save ah. it. It's going to be in the overtime. I've been triggered. Uh, so he looks right, around. He's got his apprentice look on. Yeah. The audio is a little sucky. It's not. It was just You're the fired. source. I'm sorry. There's nothing I can do about it. It's the source. But he's pretty concise. And I, I, I'm wondering. There's. He made a. He made. He didn't really go all out. He didn't say like you know uh, fury and fire this time. But there's been a lot of different interpretations of this line. Thank you very much, uh, as you probably have heard, and some of you have reported, a missile was launched a little while ago from North Korea. I will only tell you that we will take care of it. We have General Mattis in the room with us, and uh, we've had a long discussion on it. It is a situation that we will handle. A situation that we will handle. Now, uh, with lots of talking. Yeah, I suppose. Well, the, I, that's what we hope. I mean, I 
Senator, I don't Gr- want to go to war. Senator Graham because it sort of freaks out. Let's get some more on all of this. Republican Senator Lindsey Graham is joining us. He's a leading member of the Budget, Armed Services, and Judiciary Committees. He's a busy guy. Hi, Senator, thanks so much for joining Thank us. Thank you. want to get to taxes shortly, but let's talk about North Korea. How much closer does this latest intercontinental ballistic missile test bring North Korea to actually threatening the United States with a nuclear-tipped ICBM? You know what I find interesting about Lindsey Graham is he stepped right into that John McCain role where he's just all in for war. And he's all in for casualties. He's all in for death. Just kind of listen. He's like very cavalier about this. Listen to this. All right. Well, I'll let the intelligence community give you that answer, but I believe every test puts them closer. And the president has said, we'll take care of it. Not the United Nations, not China. We'll take care of it. And my hope is that North Korea will realize that he is serious about this. The president is not going to allow North Korea to have a nuclear weapon uh, in their hands that can hit America with an ICBM that can make it to the United States. And if we have to go to war to stop this, we will. And if there's a war with North Korea, because North Korea brought it on itself. I I think part of the problem here is they don't think the president's serious. And that's just based upon his his track record. I mean, just it presents for it, it, it itself. And we're headed toward a war if things don't change. But that could uh, result in tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of casualties. There you go. You, you, you've been there. You there understand. You, there, there you go. go. <laughs> there you wow. Go. There you go, Chase. Yeah. Uh, even with conventional weaponry, yeah. what potentially is at stake along the demilitarized zone? Seoul, a city of what, 10 or 15 or 20 million people is only 30 miles away. Yeah, you're dead right. It's not lost upon me what a war would look like with North Korea. One, we would win it, but a lot of people would get hurt and killed. Uh, at the end of the what day, that, the president's I mean, got to pick we, between homelands. What does that mean, we would win it? Because I want to win. What? What? So Lindsey Graham I mean, is, winning. So I, what's so your definition? Lindsey Graham is selling a war to Trump. Right. That's what he's doing. Yeah. Lindsey Graham's going to where he knows he can get Trump's attention, cable right. news. Yeah. And he's selling a war to Trump. But he's gone to the wrong news channel because no, CNN's no. fake no. and therefore no. not watching. I'm sure that if Lindsey Graham goes on cable news, it comes across Trump's radar. I mean, it's not a win. I mean, yeah, we yeah we might win as far as less number of casualties, but what does that mean? Yeah. Oh, I no, mean, we sure. don't win. Yeah, for sure. I don't know where the hell this is going. I really don't. I'm not ready to make any red book predictions on it at this time. Yeah. Um, so that's – did you hear this story? Well, we're just before we get out of world news, this is producer Matt's – I think – I don't want to say favorite, but I think this is the story that shocked producer Matt the most this week. Oh, the most shocked story of the week? Yeah. You All ready right. for it? All right. Now, this video does include uh, some graphic images as the uh, disclaimer says. So this is the war crime suspect, uh, Parlajak, I think is maybe how you say his last name. Yeah, names. I'm not sure. And uh, he was there trying to get retrialed, trying to – you know, after 20 years in prison and uh, they said no. No, you're going back. No. Please. Uh, please sit down. He slams some clear liquid down his throat. Just slams it down there like a shot. Everybody just kind of looks around like, what Under the hell just happened? People start to look a little worried. That guy looks really worried now. Like, what's going on here? The guy in charge is looking around like... I have like, taken poison. What? After he gets the translation, he's like, What? Monsieur le Président, il, il vient. Notre, notre Our client says he has drunk a poison this morning. Okay, um, uh, we suspend the. So they suspend the hearings, they get him to a hospital, and he dies. 
Wow. Yeah, and they had to shut down the courtroom. Everybody else that was there for other things had to go and, the, and go to another courtroom later on. They had to declare the room a, a crime scene. Wow. He, he, where did he get the poison from? Holy crap. How did a prisoner get poison in the courtroom in a cup sitting next to him for the entire time? How did that happen? Oh, uh, let your conspiracy theories go. It must have been his. It must have been his representation, right? Oh, totally. That's the only way that comes in. But even even still, even going to a setting like this, everything is is searched. However, usually they're only looking for metal objects. I bet you it's one of those things where maybe the guy was carrying a water bottle in, okay. like a attorney or whatever. You know, have it in a cat. I mean, there are probably ways to sneak things in, get things passed. Look at this. Uh, two cukes uh, for you uh, says that uh, he's heading to uh, Seoul in uh, February 2018. Is he going to the Olympics? Can I keep us updated? <laughs> can I, can I, you know, we got – what is this? What is that? Is that your vibe over there? That was my watch. Uh, oh. Somebody red booking something for us. Thanks, man. Oh, yeah. Nice. We got it down in the red book. Yeah. So I guess we haven't really talked about this for a little while, but uh, we are uh, we are trying to red book uh, in real time now during the show. We've dedicated a little channel to it, so we're trying to save our red book predictions in a digital form now, and then because we can easily recall them mm-hmm. and search, <laughs> yes. which we've have found made it much easier. Yes. So I want to talk about the pervert parade. It's something that we've tracked a little bit on and off on this show, and it's been building since Harvey Weinstein. Although some of you may say maybe since Bill Cosby, we've been sort of building this direction. I think it really blew up when Kevin Spacey got fired from Netflix. And then, of course, just last week, uh, Charlie Rose was fired from CBS and PBS. And there seems to be a pattern. When, it's been, when there's been multiple victims, uh, they almost immediately get fired. And then it comes out a day or two later that there were many victims, not just one. That may be the case with Matt Lauer as we record this. But let's back up a little bit and start with the big news today. We have breaking news involving a major media figure. NBC News has fired longtime Today Show host Matt Lauer over inappropriate sexual behavior in the workplace. NBC News chairman Andy Lack sent an email to staff this morning saying on Monday night they received a detailed note from a colleague about sexual misconduct in the workplace. He wrote it was the first complaint about his behavior in his over 20 years at NBC News, but he said they received information that it may not be an isolated incident. So this is interesting. I'm really curious how this comes about. So the timing of this is email comes in Friday. Matt Lauer fired just days later, like almost immediately after the after the first. Well, uh, I, I bet you. Sounds I mean, like he must, well, have, been, must well, have been other evidence supplied. Well, there, there's there's been some more details uh, leaked out on Variety. I think it's Variety. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they, they obviously met with him. And I don't think he would be fired this quickly if it wasn't confirmed. I mean, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. usually, usually companies, you know, they'll they'll do an investigation. They'll talk to both sides, and they probably talk to him, and they're like, and he, okay. he I bet you, he admitted well, it. I got more thoughts on that, so let's go back to the investigation part. But let's get more of the what happened. Savannah Guthrie announced the firing this morning on the Today Show with Hoda Kotb at her side. She promised that more details will be reported as they emerge. Lauer's firing comes a week after CBS fired Charlie Rose following allegations of sexual harassment at the Charlie Rose show. And I worked at NBC many years. You did. And I know know that Savannah is um, grappling with this and it's difficult for them as well. Well, it's unfortunate to look at, Nora, because I look at that picture and I have a, a sickening feeling of deja vu. Certainly because we're dealing with our own situation here, but it does send the message and shows that you are not too big to fall. Yeah, Matt Lauer is sort of like um, royalty. Didn't he mean like two million a day 
I mean, something ridiculous, some ridiculous amount of money. Yeah, just yeah. Re- maybe not yeah. two million a day, but maybe two million a month. There's an interesting angle still. with both Charlie Rose uh, and Matt Lauer for these really big money making guys. There's an interesting angle to these. Uh, it's very high, highly paid. Yes, you know that. Be a termination for cause clause, probably. It, in the if right. This right. is a termination for clause. Then yeah. theoretically, NBC would owe him nothing, and they were would be exercising an option given to them. Uh, under the under the contract. Now, his lawyers may very well say, "Look, here's five ways we can challenge this. We won't challenge any of it if you buy us out." And and often that happens. But if NBC really wants to make uh, send a message to its employees and and to the world, obviously on this particular issue, they may say, "We're not buying you out at all." This it's interesting. What what he's essentially saying is when uh, is right, yeah. when you get busted for pervy stuff, where you've been assaulting uh, co- uh, coworkers, uh, we can, we can cancel your contract clean. We, we there's no fuss, no Actually, muss, no legal it, issue. It's, it's a lot more simpler than that, to be honest. It's not a matter of just sexual harassment. It's a matter of you know you're violating company policy. That Seems means it's uh, pretty simple stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's con- but it's it's I guess I mean it's an egregious violation, but it's still a if violation. I'm a cold calculating network executive and I've been I've been looking, I, I think Matt Lauer has been overrated for 20 years. <laughs> What's so great about Matt Lauer? He's overrated. He's been he's hyped up. He's overrated, and he's their shows. You know they're they're boring. He's boring. He's vanilla. He's boring. And uh, I don't know if I was a cunning network executive, I would pounce on an opportunity to. Cut that clean, reboot that position. No fuss, no muss for the network. I don't know. It'd just be interesting. I've noticed. I've noticed that there's a lot of discussion, and and it's, it's keeps coming back and back about Clinton. I want to play this clip. Frankly, when you watch some of the reactions by the president in defending Roy Moore, or at least overlooking the allegations against Roy Moore, that were you putting politics ahead of your personal disgust? No, but we're talking about a child molester. Uh, this okay, is, but, but we're talking about a child molester. But President Clinton was accused of being a sexual predator. Well, uh, and of even rape at one point by one, by one why, accuser. Why don't we talk instead about how we go forward? Nobody is proud of President Clinton's behavior at oh. the time, but he was being impeached. But I think the reason there's a relitigation of this is that the I think the concern is that we allowed the erosion. That the reason we're at this moment. And the reason it got worse over the last 20 years is because of our the way we handled it collectively then. Do you buy that argument? No, I buy that the, the election of president. I don't know. What do you think of that argument? Because uh, it does seem to keep getting brought up again. Like, well, we kind of just gave Clinton a, a pass. There's one thing about Clinton that— Actually, re- it's not just Clinton. I think we give politicians a pass yeah. and they shouldn't. Yeah. There's one thing, though, about Clinton. And now it turns Including out— Clinton. Now it turns out Harvey Weinstein, too, is they have connections to this— this is this is one of these really twisted things. I'll just let the clip play. But there's a, this tangled web of connections. A blockbuster story could be in the making. A former Secret Service agent is threatening to release damaging information on former President Bill Clinton. Dan Bongino says he may release information on Clinton's 26 documented trips on Jeffrey Epstein's plane jet, private jet, the Lolita Express. Epstein was convicted in 2008 for soliciting sex from an underage girl and served 13 months in prison. For more on this tonight, we go to the host of America's Lawyer, Mike Papantonio. Anyways, I'm, I don't know if that story is legitimate or not, but that would be that would be 
That'd be really interesting. There's so many there's so many accusations going on right now that I start to tune it out. I start to get a little overwhelmed just because I have been on the opposite end of people misunderstanding a situation and assuming the worst about me and then just sort of going forward and that just becomes the narrative. I unbeknownst to me, it took me even a while to catch up to it. And it 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 really it demonstrated that nobody knows what the fuck's really going on in these situations except for the people involved. And I in the risk of playing too much Cucker Tuckerson, I want to just play a little clip here of him warning of a witch hunt that could be in the brewing. And he shares a story I'd never heard of before and uh, kind of gives him some standing. As we get them, and we're sure we will. But going forward, we should also be careful that the noble effort to end sexual harassment does not degenerate into a witch hunt. It can happen, as the Washington Post just proved. So with that in mind, two things to remember. First, anonymous accusations always lead to abuses. The right to face your accuser is the cornerstone of justice and has been since ancient Rome. That's why it's enshrined in the Sixth Amendment to the Constitution. It's why we ban star chambers. We don't allow people to accuse others of armed robbery or murder from behind the shield of anonymity. Why do media outlets allow it in cases of sexual harassment? If you're going to name the accused, you ought to name the accuser, assuming it's an adult. News organizations are not courts. They shouldn't take a side when guilt and innocence are in dispute. It's too easy to get it wrong, and they often do. Second, not everyone accused of a sex offense is guilty. Not every accuser is telling the truth. I learned this the hard way a number of years ago when I was accused of felony rape by a woman I'd literally never even seen. She was a certified public accountant in Indiana, an upstanding member of her community, and also apparently delusional. Her claims were grotesque, but they were highly specific. The assault, she said, took place in the back room of a restaurant in Louisville on a specific day at around 10.30 p.m. She included loads of graphic and horrifying detail. It was stomach-turning. And yet none of it, none of it, was true. I spent the next two months trying to stay out of jail. I couldn't tell my children because I knew they'd be ashamed. I couldn't tell my employer because I knew I'd be fired immediately. I spoke only to lawyers, and I paid them a fortune. I took a polygraph exam from the former head polygrapher at the FBI. I never stopped worrying that the charges would become public and destroy my life. Everyone accused of a sex offense did something wrong. Everybody knows that, and I knew that no one would believe otherwise. This isn't a defense of sexual harassment or misbehavior, obviously. It's just a reminder that real life is complicated, more complicated than sermonizing on Twitter. Sometimes the mob is wrong. Sometimes the innocent are crushed. That's always a tragedy, no matter what the charge is. I think that last point there about the mob is what sort of got me a little like, uh, something about this doesn't feel right. There's a lot of mob mentality Get, to this. Guess what, Chris? You're, you're going to be shocked like this. And I, and I think like the, the, the my haters are going to be shocked by this. I fully agree with Tucker Carlson on this. Tucker Tuckerson. Tucker Tuckerson. Yeah. Uh, it's true. Uh, you know, companies don't have to even share whatever, you know, reasons why they're getting rid of somebody. I mean, depending on the state that you're in, they could just get rid of you because they just want to mm, get rid of you. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and those are the, uh, what, the right to work states or whatever, they, or right, whatever that name is called. I agree. I agree. At, now, at the same time, you know, how do you, if you're an NBC or CBS, how do you objectively report something that is an internal HR issue when it involves your on-air talent? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you and, know, and it, my prediction would be not officially, 
But my suspicion is is that we will hear more by next episode. Probably more accusers will come out. Right. Just because this the pattern has been that we have witnessed. If it's Al Franken level, uh, you don't get fired. If it's Charlie Rose or Kevin Spacey, then they then they get fired. And then like two or three days later, like a whole another spat of accusers come out. Right. And it, it's one of those things for me where you know I, I've heard the argument. Well, why didn't these women come out? Five years ago, ten years ago, or whatever the case may be. Jeez, but these people are powerful people, right? And and no one, and, and I also understand the statements. Well, geez, these guys, you know, should have their the right of day. And you know what? I assume with NBC, for example, they're paying this guy a crap ton of money. Okay, he is their face for morning TV for a very long period of time, and he's a very popular guy. NBC Today Show gets really good ratings. Okay, so it's not like. You know, he's a sucky guy that they're trying to get rid of him, right? So this accusation— well, he is a bit of a snore. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? People liked him, you know, that sort of thing. I guess he's comfortable. Yeah. So so people were watching him, right? And then so this accusation came to light. And no doubt, no doubt that they went to Matt and were like, so is this true? What's going on here? Mm-hmm. You know? And they wanted to know the truth. And as soon as he told them the truth, they made this move. Yeah. And so I don't think this is one of those cases where, you know, the company is going after him. Now, granted, in the past, we've seen companies like Fox, for example, with the whole Bill O'Reilly situation, and they tried to sweep these things under the rug because the talent, the face of their show and the face of their network was more important to them internally yeah. than the bottom line. It also seems like there's a protocol now. Like, the companies have wised up and said, oh, when this happens— it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're Charlie Rose. It doesn't well, matter if you're Matt it's, it's It's a big image to to uh, protect as well because, you know, major corporations, Fortune 500, 100 com- corporations. Uh, what do you think? Really? Though? Well, hold on. Let me finish my thought. They've they've always preached, and you and yeah. I have gone through the corporate training. You know, sexual harassment is wrong. We have a zero tolerance for that, and they yeah. cannot have an example yeah. of some guy being above that. But what do you what do you think now of Brywy in, um, like, contrast? Well, the lying? Well, first off, it's not nearly as bad as this other so, stuff. So, well, he got demoted. Yeah, he didn't. Lo- he didn't lose his job. Yeah, he could come, but he could he could work his way back up and, now. And I've always made the red book to prediction, and I thought he would have been back. Maybe he'll be on the Today Show. Oh, oh, oh he'll take Brywy's spot. Holy, or, I mean, he'll crap. take Matt's spot. Brywy will but you take know Matt's spot. It's got to be at least six months down the road because yeah, if okay. they do it, if they do it too fast, they're going to go. Oh, the liars on TV now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so you got you got to gr- gradually work them into it. So, that's not a bad idea. Um, I, I do worry a little bit about the mob turning this thing into a witch hunt, like a pervert witch hunt. And well, uh, well at the same time, I think there should be a cleaning out. Uh, the other time, you mean a purge? Yeah, a purge, a pervert purge. That's pretty good. Actually, <laughs> yeah, that could yeah, be a, <laughs> somebody should bang suggest that yeah, pervert purge. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, I just, I just worry that as somebody who has been sometimes not anything nearly this bad, nothing like this, but it's just I have seen this go the wrong way. Yeah. Um, all right, I want to change. I want to change gears. Uh, I want to ch- I want to shift gears to uh, to the high notes. So if we have anything in the sack, I, I'm, I, I'm I can. Well, you I know, hit the pause button. Right no, here. Nothing, nothing uh, big in the sack. But I just want to remind everybody that every morning, every uh, Wednesday before we do a show, I send out a note to Club Thirty Three. So make sure you're checking your inbox. Make sure you're hello it's, everybody. It's not jumping into spam because usually, you know, we have a, a full packed. 
uh, you know, segment. And right now, the, the you know the sack is is a little empty. I guess Amazon didn't deliver today. No. So you know, the problem is that Veritunda didn't get a chance to put one in there because he was too busy petitioning me in the pre-show to play a video. Yes, but I I do have a pre- uh, a prediction that maybe coming around the the holiday edition, we might open up the sack to all patrons who support us over at patreon.com slash unfilter. So reclaiming my time. So uh, so before Maxine, I give you your time back. I just want to say a big thanks to all you guys who support us on Patreon. Yeah, patreon.com slash unfilter. Thank you guys very much. Definitely. And uh, we have a segment dedicated to you coming up, the overtime, in just a little bit, just a few moments. Yes. But first, the high note, Chase. Mommy needs a joint. And Give mommy that joint. There is a celebrity now on the scene that is advocating pot. And I want to see if you can guess who the celebrity is before they say. Is this What's My Line? Because I love that game it show. It sort of is. Yeah, it's sort of like, who's that celebrity? Legalize recreational marijuana in Illinois getting some star power help. CBS 2 Susanna Song live at the Thompson Center with more on one man's crusade to make that happen. Hi, Susanna. All right. So your hint is it is a male celebrity. <laughs> Are you ready? <laughs> can you give me another clue? It, no, dude, it's a male celebrity, dude. What's wrong with that? Come uh, on now. Uh, all right. Well, are we playing? Are we playing twenty questions? All right. Are they older than forty? Tw- uh, I don't know. <laughs> Here, I'll give you another hint. Good morning. Yeah, should recreational marijuana oh. be oh. legal? Oh, that's your hint. Should- <laughs> <laughs> you don't have uh, any guesses. I'll tell well, you. He's- okay, he's a Seattle local. Oh, Seattle local. Rick Steves? Yes, it is. Oh, it my is. God. Yeah, you got it. Holy shit. Country and no different right here in Illinois. Travel expert Rick Steves is oh testifying right, at Full AP. disclosure. Full disclosure right now before you guys, like, accuse me of rigging it. I... I pulled that out of my ass. You did good. I thought you'd get it, actually. I just had a sense you'd get it. If because I... as soon as you said Seattle yeah. and celebrity, yeah. television, yeah. oh my God. Yeah, Rick Steves, wow. travel expert. Travel man. Travel expert Rick Steves is testifying <laughs> at a state Senate hearing right now. This is crazy. And this is what he told us earlier today. What we need to do is take that black market down and turn it into a highly regulated and highly taxed legal market so that we can gain credibility and focus on the real risk to young people in our society, which is hard drug abuse. Steve says prohibition does not work. He says this isn't about being pro-pot. He knows it can be dangerous, but says it is time to stop making it criminal. His travels in Europe opened his eyes. He also studied the effects legalization has had on Colorado and his home state of Washington. He says more people are not using it. State Senators Kelly Cassidy and Heather Steens are the lead, lead sponsors of a bill to regulate cannabis. They estimate legalization could generate up to 700 million dollars for the state every year and by the and by the way you know i know some of our people in our chat right now are saying rick who yeah uh, it's, a, it's a total local now, joke for fun well not only that but honestly unless you are a heavy pbs watcher yeah you're not gonna know he's definitely over 42 yeah um <laughs> yeah i just i that was just fun it's just funny to have like different people go and then become advocates yeah. new york is showing signs of wanting the pot chase the idea of recreational marijuana appears to be gaining popularity in New York. A new survey is out. It's found that 62% of all registered voters out there support legalizing and taxing marijuana. And it's probably even higher than that, right? Because that's 62% that were willing to say it. That's right. Yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, our, your good buddy. My friend. 12-year-old um, girl that's suing um, AG Sessions to make marijuana legal. So she can have a better quality of life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to warn you, you should 
if you have a echo nearby your speaker, you may want to mute it because her name is close to the trigger word of your lady tube. So you have been warned. Hey, my, my, my tube's computer. What are you talking about? My lady tube got triggered when I was getting this clip a whole bunch. And so I just I wanted to pass because she triggered my tube like he, this clip triggered my tube like crazy. The, the girl does well in this interview, but she's she's a little um, shell shocked because it's, it's kind of an intense interview on Fox. Right. So it but she does good. She does pretty good. And at the end, she really wraps so it is up. Is the trigger re- 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 like, OK, Google? No, her na- no, no, her name. Oh, I know. So is it Google? <laughs> yeah. A 12-year-old girl from Texas is suing Attorney General Jeff Sessions and hoping to make marijuana legal nationwide after she and her family were forced to move to Colorado, where it is legal, so she could use it to treat her seizures. Right now, medical marijuana legal in just 29 states. Wait, wait, in just? Yeah. That's like the majority. I know. (laughs) Uh, Whoever this family has for legal representation uh, and maybe he's coordinating the PR outreach but they're doing a really good job of getting this girl's message out there and what's great is she is well spoken enough that she just makes her own spokesperson. That's what we're now joined by Michael Hiller, New York attorney and that 12 year old girl herself. She joins us now. Alexis uh, Alexis Bortel. Uh, Alexis thank you for joining us. Uh, You call yourself a medical refugee. Explain what that means. And you can tell she just immediately kind of gets a little shell shocked because this is a pretty, you know, you're in a room with lights and a camera. And, and, and to be fair, and on she, a delay. Yeah, you're on a delay. She's probably got an earpiece on for the first time ever in her life. <laughs> oh, God. Well, it means that in Texas, I had seizures. And because I had seizures, I tried over just several, several drugs, none of which worked. And they either did nothing or just made the seizure worse or come in a different form. Well, we watched this documentary, and it showed that cannabis can actually help treat seizures. So one night I had the worst seizure of my life. After that, our doctor actually said that it would be best if we, we had to choose between brain surgery and... Moving to Colorado to get my medicine, Haley's Hope is what it is now because it is illegal. So we were basically, after talking to many politicians, forced out of Texas and we were forced to move here in Colorado because it's illegal in Texas to get my medicine. Got it. Uh, very well put, Alexis. Michael, to you, you are, you are representing Alexis. So she's suing Jeff Sessions, the attorney general of this country. Uh, you're suing so that all states should make uh, marijuana, medical marijuana available? Is that the suit? Well, the suit is actually to invalidate the Controlled Substances Act as unconstitutional. Now that is new information. Yeah, I, wow. Okay. And I like that a I, lot. And you know what? I wish that the, the news organizations would have led with that I know. last week I know. because that's, I know. that's a more, oh. Uh, that's how you're going to do it. Yeah. And that's the way to attack it. So he, so here's what's happening is this is this is something that we got to figure out what's going behind the scenes. If anybody can help us dig this up, this guy has got to be a million-dollar lawyer, and they have coached this girl. They have themselves a 12-year-old, well-spoken, intelligent medical marijuana patient who is their spokesperson and there's they're they're just suing sessions is a headliner yeah. that that generates headlines and then you you then come at it with a practical plan of actually how to take it down federally this seems to me like it's well organized yeah because if they would have just said well I'm suing Jeff Sessions and there's no kind of legal like what are you suing really for we didn't know that now we do oh my 
Yeah, and it could th- be a ball game. There'll be a sign here in a moment where she's been obviously coached, uh, and I think this is good because I think this is going to work. This is a mix that could really win, especially when uh, consumer or I guess uh, voter uh, opinion is all pretty positive. Uh, marijuana, medical marijuana available? Is that the suit? Well, the suit is actually to invalidate the Controlled Substances Act as unconstitutional. Right now, uh, cannabis is a Schedule One drug under the Controlled Substances Act, which means federally it's illegal, which mm-hmm. means that Alexis can't travel to Washington to lobby her representatives. <laughs> she can't really travel across state lines safely. And so what we're trying to do is invalidate it at the, at the um, federal level, and that, we believe, will pave the way towards legalization throughout the United States. As of right now, 29 states have already legalized cannabis. How hopeful are you that you can make ground with this? I don't think we've ever been in a better position than to legalize than we are right now. The evidence we've collected and the facts we've uncovered really make clear that the United States government knows that cannabis is actually safe and medically effective. But for some reason, the United States government continues to render it Oh, don't, uh, you know, for, you, you know why. Mm-hmm. You know why. For some I, reason. I, he, he, he for some reason. I know he can't say it, but we all know why. We he doesn't want to say why. he doesn't want to say it on television that's sponsored. I mean, you can you yeah you could say three reasons off the top of your head yeah. right now yeah. and you would be right on all. Yeah, three. except for a lot of those make money for the yeah. for the television studios. Yeah, that's what I always say. But for some reason, the United States government continues to render it uh, illegal for people like Alexis who desperately right. need the medication to preserve their health and their lives. Alexis, if you had a chance to talk personally with uh, Jeff Sessions, the Attorney General, what would you say to him? I'm not sure. He did. It triggered it from our it headphones. It triggered it, yeah. It triggered, from wow. our headphones. headphones. Oh, because there's a pair of headphones down on the ground. Oh, yeah. It's really close. Actually, yeah. it's right above it. It's right there. Oh, yeah. That's totally why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if, it trig- if it's been triggering yours, it just got ours. Sorry, NSA. We didn't mean it. Go ahead. What was the question? I, I, oh, uh, what would you say to Jeff Sessions oh, if you yeah. had a chance to talk to him? Right. Now, this is the – thank you. This is the part where you can tell I think she's been coached. Uh to me, this is the sign that if if the guy asks you something that's a little tough or you think it's a little you're not sure what to say, you can throw it Stand to me. Stand by answer. Yeah. yeah. Well, my lord can kind of answer this too, but yes. um, I mean, I'm glad to take that. Alexa, cannab- if you'd like. Go ahead, Alexa. Okay, go ahead. Okay, very, just, just cannabis, very quickly. Okay, cannabis <laughs> has saved my life. If I stayed in Texas and got brain surgery. Who would have known what would have happened? I could have died. Seizures, they're really scary because just imagine being stuck in your own body. You can't scream. You can't say anything. You can't call for help. That could kill me. We'll have to leave it there, Alexis. Very well put. Thank you both, Michael and Alexis. Pretty good, huh? Yeah. You know, it. man. I, I, I really hope for the best for her. I really do. Yeah, and I think there's it's a good story. I think there's something going there. They got a good story. They got a good lawyer. They got a good publicist. They got a good headline uh, grabbing lawsuit. Something it, this feels like that's 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 because put together. And, you know, the more I think about it and I know I'm paraphrasing here, but, you know, the Controlled Substance Act and, you know, and how they've cataloged. And I and I read book this in the old red book where they were going to delist mm-hmm. uh, from one to two or deschedule or it. De-schedule yeah. It. For, yeah. Well, the scheduling. I think it says like if whoa if it's if it's a schedule if it's a schedule one that it's been proven that it has no medical uh, benefits whatsoever or something along those effects. Yeah, yeah. There has been studies. There has been many medical studies. Now I know nothing widespread like a government study, but there has been studies done to show the medical benefits of this drug. So for them to blatantly say, well, I mean, I think they can have a case right there. So I, it's going to be interesting to follow. Thank you.
Now, uh, Hadia found this one and I asked her to send it into the show because I just thought this was – this is great. This is what if we treated marijuana ads like big pharma ads? <laughs> and this will, be, this will wrap up our high note All for right. this week. trouble falling asleep because of your Adderall? Have trouble waking up because of your sleeping pills that you take because of your Adderall? <laughs> Are you left in a fog from Xanax and constipated by Vicodin? If you answered yes to any of these questions, it's time to talk to your doctor about weed. Weed is a once daily or twice daily, am I right? Supplement that's been scientifically proven to treat many of the side effects that you're usually prescribed pills for. I can't tell you how many of life's little moments I missed out on because of the constipated fog I was in after my doctor prescribed Vicodin and Xanax. My daughter's first steps, walking her down the aisle. I was done being spaced out, messed up on the toilet all the time. That's when I talk to my doctor about weed. Weed is non-habit forming, no matter what Big Pharma or your middle school dare instructor tells you. (laughs) It was tough seeing my dad in pain after his accident. It was just as tough seeing him zonked out on prescription pills. He was so forgetful. But now, he won't stop remembering stuff. You remember that first episode of Lost? And they were in the jungle, and you were like, what is that? And then they looked back on it, it was a polar bear? I don't think they ever explained that. <laughs> include extreme nostalgia, hunger, drowsiness, spontaneous laughter, and a newfound appreciation for the songs you already thought you liked. Hey, do you guys remember Ace of Bass? <laughs> That's a cool group. <laughs> Symptoms of weed do not include insomnia, loss of appetite, nausea, headaches, muscle spasms, inflammation, seizures, physical dependency, or the risk of overdose. So if you're one of the 119 million Americans taking prescription drugs and suffering from these symptoms, weed might be for you. And if you're not taking prescription drugs but just want to chill the fuck out, weed might also be for you. Weed. What side effects, man? See your doctor today. <laughs> oh, that was good, man. It was fun. That was that, that was, was nice, and we put a nice smile on my face. Good. And by the way, Ace of Base is really good. Anyway, I got a fun one for the outro on the overtime too. If you're sticking around, oh. if you're done with your meat and potatoes, all right. You don't have any room for apple pie or pumpkin pie. All right. A little whipped cream on top. That's okay. We got some parting wisdoms for you, don't we, Mister Chase? That's right. You know, while you're putting up the Christmas lights this weekend. You might want to, I don't know, keep on track with what Chris is doing, like maybe with his vlog. Who, me? Yeah, you. Check out the Twitter feed. Oh, go over the Twitter feed. Yeah, because well, right. if, if I ever were to post a video, you'd find it out on the Twitter feed. Is that twitter.com slash Chris LAS? Yeah, I would recommend YouTube, except for their, subscri- their subscription system is bonkers. Uh, YouTube.com slash Chris Fisher. That would work well. if, okay. you, if you took a stab. Also, yeah. Go check out recent user air. Big changes coming to the TechSnap program, which were described there. New episodes of TechSnap. Total reboot coming very soon. Check that out. Oh. Lots of stuff in the pipeline. Nice. And thank you to our patrons at patreon.com slash unfilter. Mr. Chase. Yes, Chris. Now, people want to find you throughout the week. First place you want to send them. 
First place, my Twitter. Oh. The verified check mark is still there. They haven't pulled it from me. <laughs> Twitter.com slash Nunes. N U N E S. Anything else? Got anything else? Come on. Uh, YouTube.com slash GeekGamerTV. I need uh, one the, more. I need and one. the Discord. Discord.gg slash GeekGamerTV as well. Solid. Speaking of the Discord, I should mention there is an unfiltered channel dedicated. Yes, there is. And we're there every Wednesday. That's what you're seeing up on the live stream, and it's persistent. It remains afterwards. If you saw the video version, you want to go back and look at the chat log, go to discord.me slash. Jupiter Colony and look for the unfiltered channel and that's where we hang out during the live show. We really like it. We appreciate it. We go to, go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar for that live time and join us next week, won't you? We really like that too. Alright, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning this week's episode of the Unfiltered Program and we'll see you right back here in December next, next week. week. Oh, yeah! Woo! Because I want to win. Hello, everybody. I say Boulder Dash. Uh. Batten down the hatches and gird your loins. Unfilter's not over yet. In fact, it's kind of just getting started. It's overtime! Thank you to our new patrons over at patreon.com slash unfilter. Who stay woke? Our new subscribers this week, Helen Slider, huh? Hmm, I feel like that's a message there. I like that one. Renegade MMXV. Oh! Ray S. And Martin. Thank you to our four new subscribers over at Patreon. Dot com slash unfilter. If you'd like us, if you'd like to help us pick up the momentum for next week, we'd really appreciate it. We tend to see people roll back as the holidays come. People sort of roll back, and uh, of course, the work doesn't stop here. In fact, sometimes when there's not really something massively going on, in, like the national news, these shows are harder because there's so much more crap to sift through, and there's less piece of people supporting the show. So if you would like to help break the trend, patreon.com slash unfilter, uh, much appreciated. Let's start with the old Nancy segment this week. You guys know this is generally where I like to give Chuck and Nancy a hard time, but this one, I, I just, I, I'll just let the drama unplay for you. It almost is like something out of a comedy version of The West Wing. Uh, President Trump tweeted uh, while you were in the other show at nine o'clock, he tweeted meeting with Chuck and Nancy today about keeping government open and working. Problem is they want illegal immigrants flooding into our country unchecked, are weak on crime and want to substantially raise taxes. I don't see a deal. Top Democrats say that they are pulling out of the White House meeting with President Trump this afternoon. Kristen, is that because of this tweet or is that because of something else? Yeah, they got their feelings hurt. So let's dig into this a little bit. So this meeting was uh, has been this has been in the works for months and it was denied then it was on then it was off and uh, there's a, there's a clear reason there's a clear reason as far as Chuck Schumer is concerned but uh, Trump ain't having it he's slamming them the first second he got in his first press conference today that we will handle with that being said 
That being said is we're going to do something about North Korea. Like, the, So the press is here to get information about North Korea and what the U.S. is going to do about this new launch. He goes, OK, yeah, we're going to handle it. But with that being said. Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi did not show up for our meeting today. I'm not really that surprised. We have a lot of differences. They're weak on crime. They're weak on illegal immigration. They want the illegal folks to come pouring into our border, and a lot of problems are being caused, although we've stopped it to a large extent, as much as you can without the wall, which we're going to get. They, before this meeting and before this missile launch, they've been weak on military in terms of spending. They're very hard to get for military. They want it for a lot of other things, but the military is always secondary to them. The military, to me, is number one. We won't be here without oh, yeah. our powerful Hoorah. We're building it up stronger, bigger, better than ever before. Yeah, we General are. Manish can testify to And the other thing, they want tax increases, and we want major tax decreases. So they decided not to show up. Uh, they've been all talk, and they've been no action. So he just gives it to him. He just blasts them right there. And, of course, there is a return by uh, Schumer. Mr. President, we have a long to-do list before the end of the year, and time is running short. We had hoped to make progress with the administration on these issues in a meeting this afternoon. Unfortunately, this morning, instead of leading, the president tweeted a blatantly inaccurate statement and then concluded, I don't see a deal. Mommy, Donald hurt my feelings on Twitter. The president said, I don't see a deal, three hours before our meeting, before he heard anything we had to say. Now, we all know, of course, I mean, we don't know, but most of us that have been following Trump uh, have watched this pattern of behavior over and over again. And he's even written about it in his book. Well, his ghostwriter wrote about it. It is a negotiation tactic. It is a classic Trump negotiation tactic. And I would submit to you, audience member, that Schumer knows this. Schumer knows that Trump's trying to hard roll them, and Schumer knows that it's mostly about the optics of this meeting. And so that's why he's not giving it to Trump. Given that the president doesn't see a deal between Democrats and the White House, Leader Pelosi and I believe the best path forward is to continue negotiating with our Republican counterparts in Congress instead. Rather than going to the White House for a show meeting, oh, there it is. won't result in an agreement from a president who doesn't see a deal, we've asked Leader McConnell and Speaker Ryan to meet with us this afternoon. You hear the tone he uses there? Do you notice that sort of mocking parental tone that he switched to right there? That's digging right into Trump. We've asked the adults to work with us. From a president who doesn't see a deal... We've asked Leader McConnell and Speaker Ryan to meet with us this afternoon. <laughs> yeah, so you can imagine that sort of uh, it got Trump upset. The problem is, is that they don't really even make their own best advocates. You know what I'm saying? Like they're, they're in these positions, these very, very public positions, and they have to be extremely scripted to even come across remotely legible. And when they go off script, uh, it, they often end up undermining their point. People want to go do some other things. That's up to them. But that's not where our focus is. Our focus is on that, the uh, 
total brain freeze. She this is this is something else that Nancy Pelosi needs to work on. Look, if you're going to have brain, brain freezes all the time, don't stare dead into the camera like a deer in the headlights when your brain locks up. Look somewhere else for God's sakes. Don't stare into the camera like you always do. It feels like you could at least coach yourself on that. Uh, public has questions about the fitness of this president to be I, I have really I have I have questions about your fitness. <laughs> public has questions about the fitness of this president to be president, and that's a, a legitimate discussion. But our focus, our energy, our uh, purpose. Oh, there it is. Okay, okay. Uh huh. Is to get a better deal for the America's working America's working family. She's still going with that better deal. She's still going with that better deal slogan, and she can't even bring it home at the end. A better deal for the America's working America's working families. <sighs> You know, that's the problem is when they go after Trump on the health and then they can't even get 30 seconds through a speech. That is that's pretty rough. Uh, And it's when you see even like Hillary in public, you're at least me. I am struck by what a much better speaker she is than Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer or um, I'm I'm forgetting the pervert that runs the DNC. What's that guy's name? Um, That guy, uh, you know, none of them are very good public speakers. But Hillary's really well trained. I, I don't. I don't believe her. She doesn't come across as genuine, but she's well trained and she's well spoken. And uh, I think that in some ways that's going to give her some relevancy in the party, just because the other um, aristocrats, the other corporatists that are running the party, can't speak. They they just can't really seem to speak in front of a camera without screwing it up. Of course, Hillary has her own problems. An Obama appointee in the federal government says he was marginalized and even threatened by his superiors simply Uh-oh. because he tried to raise the alarm about classified information that resided on Hillary Clinton's private email server. So there is a story, this is it, about a whistleblower coming out. So before we were even talking about Hillary's emails, someone in the intelligence agency was onto the was onto it. I suppose it's not that hard if you just look at the domains. And uh, they figured out that there's a problem here. And he tried to blow the whistle. Our Catherine Harridge has that exclusive tonight. There was personal blowback to me, to my family, to uh, my office. Few people know more about the Clinton emails and the fallout than Charles McCullough, the former internal watchdog for the U.S. intelligence community. What should the American public know about those 22 top secret Clinton emails? I've heard people say this is overblown. I've heard people say uh, this is much ado about nothing. Had the information been released, there would have been harm to national security. So putting lives at risk. Absolutely. Sources and methods, lives, operations. Speaking exclusively to Fox, McCullough says he went to Director of National Intelligence James Clapper about a year before the presidential election. The intelligence agencies had just found their classified information in the Clinton emails. He read through these affidavits very thoroughly, and he said this is extremely reckless. And he mentioned something about uh, the campaign would have, uh, will have heartburn about that or something. Shortly after, McCullough says his team was marginalized. You felt you were on your own in this. I was totally on my own, and uh, I was told by senior officials to keep the director out of it. You drafted this letter in January 2016. Sure did. In the letter, McCullough told Congress that emails beyond top secret passed through the former Secretary of State's unsecured personal server. 
all of a sudden I became uh, a shill uh, of the right. I was told by members of Congress, be careful, you're losing your credibility. There are people out to get you. By February 2016, Clinton campaign emails released via WikiLeaks suggest McCullough was a target. I think there was certainly a coordinated strategy. Uh, that I, I, in fact, I, I not only think it, I, I think it uh, very, very much so. Based on evidence. Yes. Even though the FBI email investigation was far from complete, the Clinton campaign nailed down its talking points. Was there an effort to deliberately mislead the public about the classified emails? Absolutely. There was an effort, on the, certainly on the part of the campaign, to mislead people into thinking that there was nothing to see here. But frankly, the thing that disappointed me the most was uh, the president saying, there's classified and then there's classified. A lot of people in the intel community spend a, a lot of time keeping secrets secret. And to sort of inject that sense of confusion into people, I, I don't think was, was altogether responsible. As election day approached, McCullough says the threats went further, singling him out and another senior government email investigator. You were given a warning? It was told that we would be the first two to be fired uh, with her administration, that uh, that was definitely going to happen. Is that how it's supposed to be? No, I was, in this context, a whistleblower. I was explaining to Congress, I was doing exactly what they had expected me to do, and all of a sudden, I was the enemy. More than 2,100 classified emails passed through Clinton's personal server, and to this day, no one is accountable. If you had done this, what would have happened to you? I'd be sitting in Leavenworth right now. Fox News asked a spokesman for the Clinton campaign, the office of a senior Senate Democrat, as well as the former director of national intelligence for comment, but there was no immediate response. McCullough recently retired after 26 years of government service. He told Fox News today that he's grateful now to tell his story, Tucker. Hmm, there you go. So uh, should we continue? Should we continue? Let's listen just a little bit more. But uh, not not a lot new here other than that there was apparently movement internally. And I like that the Clapper's response, oh, that'll give the, that'll give the campaign heartburn. What a dick. And that is the story. Catherine Harris, thank you You're very right. much for that. Richard Goodstein advised Hillary Clinton's 2008 and 2016 campaigns, and he joins us tonight. Uh, Richard, this isn't really a political story so much as it's a story about bad government, corruption. I mean, it's kind of a classic whistleblower story. Here's a guy, he's a permanent government employee. He's the inspector general. He's not some low-level character. And he finds wrongdoing, he brings it to light, and his job is threatened. I mean, I, that seems like something you want to get to the bottom of. So the predicate for your question, finding wrongdoing and so forth, I, let me tell you why I take issue with it. I, I will take serious issue the minute that you look into a real threat to national security, which is the president taking the Russian foreign minister and ambassador. Oh, boy, here we go. So you get the, yeah, I think we don't really need to keep going. I thought we'd give him a little bit of rope and then, yeah, be kind of just talking to himself. Speaking of Russia, though. Sources tell CBS News two more Americans have been targeted in a mysterious sonic attack overseas. One of the victims worked in the U.S. Embassy in Uzbekistan, according to a source. Similar attacks have been reported by American diplomats in Cuba. Our sources say the latest incident suggests Russia might be involved in the attacks. Oh, so you guys have probably heard, I think there was an article, The Sound in Havana, um, this sonic attack that was destroying people's hearing. Some people speculated it was the Cuban government. Some said, well, maybe it's the C a CIA weapon. Others said, well, no, now CIA people are being attacked. We have a, we have a little additional uh, story here. And of course, surprise, I mean, shocker, 
It's Russia. You knew it. CBS News Radio's Steve Dorsey broke the story in August. He's in Washington with the newest information. Steve, good morning. Hey, Steve. Good morning. The incident in Uzbekistan was reported in September and involves a USAID officer and his wife. A U.S. government source familiar with the matter tells CBS News the two Americans reported effects similar to the victims in Cuba. The husband and wife were flown out of Tashkent, Uzbekistan's capital, by the State Department for evaluation, according to a source. Their current medical condition is unclear. Two U.S. security sources say Russia may be involved in oh, the there incident you go. Yeah, sure, and in the sure. sonic attacks in Cuba. The Russians have the means, the motive, and the opportunity. Foreign policy professor William Leo Grand says Russian President Vladimir Putin has been trying to exert his nation's influence abroad. It seems that this all began. So because he has the means and because he has the motivation and because he's tried to assert himself abroad, but that would sound like that you could describe China or France that way. And just around the same time that President Obama expelled 35 Russian diplomats because of Russia's interference in our election. Victims of the attacks in Cuba uh, describe hearing a loud, high-pitched sound in unusual places, often in their homes. The Associated Press obtained this recording. Two dozen confirmed victims face a range of health issues, including hearing loss and mild traumatic brain damage. An American tourist staying at the Hotel Capri in 2014 suspects he too suffered a sonic attack and described the sensation. It went from the tip of my toes, through my toes, down through the uh, arch of my foot and, and, and up to my ankles. Uh-huh. And I could feel a little bit in my fingertips. When asked about the latest case in Uzbekistan, the State Department told CBS News, we ensure our personnel are examined and receive appropriate treatment. Following our report, spokeswoman Heather Nauer tweeted, there has been no incident in Uzbekistan. What? There was not an interest on the part of the U.S. government in having uh, this go public. They don't know if something happened just yet. So at the end of the report, we discovered that there may not even have been an attack But yet this attack that may not have happened is likely linked to Russia. Okay. USAID, an independent federal agency that provides foreign assistance, referred all our questions to the State Department. The Russian government has previously denied any involvement in the attacks and has even offered to assist the Cubans in their investigation. I'm not going to dignify that with an answer. Okay, okay, very good. Yeah, but it's definitely the Russians. There's a story going around right now. I've had a conversation with a couple of unfiltered listeners in person about this very topic because it keeps coming up and it personally affects me. And that's the constant banging of the drum about the threat that drones pose to airlines. New research commissioned by the FAA finds a high-speed collision between a drone and an airliner would be worse than a bird strike. No shit. Really, you know what else is if somebody threw a rock super far up into the sky, you know, like 400 feet, that would be worse than a bird strike. You know what else is worse than a bird strike? Maybe a large piece of ice. Okay, so they use this no shit fact to just drive up the hype level. And what you really should be listening is we're going to take away your rights to use things in the air, even though the even though the airspace is it's we're not talking we're not talking uh, at the same altitude that these airplanes fly at. And we're, we're talking a massive magnitude of difference. We're talking massive. And a lot of these drones 
especially any of the more recent ones, have software GPS-based restrictions to even to completely prevent them from flying around airports. Newly released animation shows how a drone could cause significant damage to a... So they come up with an animation that shows a drone crashing into the engine of an airplane. Why this airplane would be at 300 feet, I don't know. Uh, and if it's, if it's landing or taking off, sure, but the drones can't fly there. And that's, that's illegal. There's already laws in place for that today. Plane's engine or tail area. So the guy, you know, what I love about this is just the, they, they play this, this destruction porn in a loop to look at the damage that theoretically could be caused by an object that's made of harder materials than an animal. This, era, uh, this year, rather, the FAA has received an average of 250 reports of drones near airports every month. Now that is... Be clear about that. Near airports, not over the airport, not crashing into planes. They're not collisions. It's 250 reports of drones near airports. That's up from 159 for most of last year. Now, why wouldn't you just make it illegal to have drones that don't have GPS coordinate restrictions? Why do we just have to take everyone's rights away? Chris Van Cleve is at Reagan National Airport outside Washington with a look at the danger. Chris, good morning. The dude standing there like an idiot at an airport holding some piece of crap like Phantom 2 drone that doesn't have any GPS restrictions. Well, good morning. This research used computer simulations to confirm what many in the aviation industry had long suspected, that drones, even small ones like this, can present a real threat to aircraft. That's because they're made of dense plastic, there are metal components, there are batteries, there are cameras. Essentially, it packs a much bigger punch than a bird. Oh, oh, well, and you know what? The computer simulations prove it, guys. Remember, it was bird strikes that shut down the engines on the Miracle on the Hudson plane. The Los Angeles Police Department depends on its helicopters to get on scene fast. So, so you like the equivalency there. So because this could cause more damage than a bird, and because birds have caused damage before, drones are obviously a big threat. 16 or 18, are you working something near Glendale? MBDI's in the sky. They fly fast and they fly low, the which has pilot school, Kevin Cook always looking out for drones. We impact a drone. Now we're going to have 5,500 pounds of aircraft with 130 gallons of jet petroleum. Coming down into a residential neighborhood. God, I've I've talked to some pilots, and there are some that sound just like this guy. They are such dicks because what it is at the core of it is they hate that you can just go get a toy and you can fly it, and you're in their air. After they had to go through arduous training, they had to get shit pay for years. They may still be getting shit pay. They are an elite kind of skill set where you know this is like something that people. Oh, you're a pilot. Oh, wow, that's. Jeez, wow, yeah, did you know that Bill over here is a pilot? No shit, where do you fly? Bill, that's amazing. You know, that kind of thing. And so they don't like that all of a sudden these jackass vloggers and photographers can start launching these things up in the air. But the, but the thing is, the reason why I think it's so damn important is because technology can solve this problem. In fact, there's already solutions in place in modern drones, like I just mentioned. And it's fundamentally critical to citizen journalism and to... Well, honestly, I just feel like it's all right. If as long as it's safe, as long as you're not flying into planes, as long as you're not flying over airports, and as long as you're not going above five, six hundred feet, I really don't see the problem at all. In fact, I think it's I think it's kind of going to be huge for humanity. It's going to be a really good thing. In August 2015, a drone came within 50 feet of an LAPD helicopter as it was circling, searching for a suspect. The- but now, you see, that's funny because that was one of their own drones. <laughs> okay. I mean, it, it, I know it wasn't one of their own drones, but it was, it was, uh, it was like, I guess it was somebody there trying to do journalism. So, uh, yeah. Okay. I don't know. I guess I, I feel like there should be an exception for that, especially since there was no collision. Uh, but anyways, 
I just could go on that all day long. I thought I wanted to uh, just move on because I, I could just rant and rant. I'll never get through that clip. I want to just look at this clip with you guys and just sort of watch the scenery here. So going back to Donald Trump's statement, this is right after he gets done ripping uh, Chuck and Nancy. He's he's made a few mens- he's few he's made a few um, mentions to the fact that uh, General Mattis is sitting next to him, and he then tosses to General Mattis. And I can't tell if Mattis wasn't expecting this. But what happens really feels like political theater to me. And with that, I may just have General Mattis say just a couple of words about uh, what he has found out. General, do you want to say just a couple of little uh, pieces of information? President Senator Speaker, a little over two and a half hours ago, North Korea launched uh, an intercontinental ballistic missile. Uh, It went higher frankly, than any previous shot they've taken. It's a research and development effort on their part. You see how he's talking to him like it's the first time he's ever said this, but obviously he's already briefed the president. So now it's almost like they're doing it for performance in front of the camera. But I don't, I don't know. It seems odd. Continue building ballistic missiles that could threaten uh, everywhere in the world, basically. And uh, in response, the South Koreans have fired some pinpoint missiles out into the water to make certain North Korea understands that uh, they could be taken under fire by our ally. But the bottom line is it's a continued effort to build a threat, sir, a ballistic missile threat that uh, endangers world peace, regional peace, and certainly the United States. Wow, there you go. So there's the briefing they did for the camera. Speaking of Trump, uh, he got uh, in some hot water this week. People making a lot of hay out of this one. President Trump making the controversial comment during a White House ceremony honoring Navajo code talkers, the Native American veterans who developed secret communications that helped win World War II. And I just want to thank you because you're very, very special people. You were here long before any of us were here. Although we have a representative in Congress who they say was here a long time ago. They call her Pocahontas. But you know what? I like you because you are special. That po- Jeez, that feels like he's uh, delusional right there. That was the, not the fact that he made the Pocahontas joke, although it was sort of surprising he couldn't help himself. Uh, but the breathing and then the awkwardness, but I like you, feels like when my, when my grandparents were losing it. Time ago. They call her Pocahontas. But you know what? I like you. That is... I don't know. Doesn't that that feel like a little... uh, I don't know. Like his brain's not working so good right there. Although we have a representative in Congress who they say was here a long time ago. They call her Pocahontas. But you know what? I like you. Because you are special. Pocahontas quip, an insult he's hurled at Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren before. Warren came under fire as a Senate candidate for claiming Native American ancestry during her academic career. Pocahontas, that's this Elizabeth Warren. I call her Goofy. Today in the Oval (laughs) Office, those Native American veterans didn't react, but Senator Warren lashed out. It is deeply unfortunate that the president of the United States cannot even make it through a ceremony honoring these heroes without having to throw out a racial slur. 
Yeah, but it is extremely beneficial for you because it keeps uh, your brand name in the media, doesn't it? Moments later, the White House responding to Warren. That's a ridiculous response. So. <laughs> is it appropriate for the president to use a racial slur in any context? I, I don't believe that it is appropriate for him to make a well, racial a slur or anybody this else. this is a racial slur, so why is it appropriate for him to well, use I think, I, like I said, I don't think that it is, and I don't think that was certainly not the president's intent. Tonight, the veterans in the Oval Office released a statement saying they didn't want to get involved in the political dispute. He was very cordial and very nice with inviting us to recognize the Navajo Code Talker. A new firestorm during a critical week for the president as he fights for tax reform and a much-needed legislative win. Complicating matters, a report by the Congressional Budget Office, which found the tax bill could wind up costing Americans who make less than $75,000 a year more. What? At least one Republican senator is still a no vote, and Republicans... So we'll wait on the taxing. I hate how they transition from one topic to the other. I hate that. Uh... I don't know. I just thought that, that I don't know that that moment. Chat room seems to think it was funny. They seem to think it was a funny joke. To me, it seemed a little um, wandery, a little too shaggy. I don't know. It seemed to really freak out the CNN panelists. That's for sure. Obama advisor, CNN senior political commentator, and X Files host David Axelrod. So CNN's really been railing on Trump this week in a in a whole new way. I know that sounds well. Of course they have, Chris, but it's really I don't know. It's it's changed. It's changed. And they really turned it up to 11 when Trump seemed to imply the, that he didn't believe that the Access Hollywood tape of him say grab him by the P was real. And CNN senior political analyst David Gergen. Um, David Gergen, let me start off with you. I mean, I, again, I, you know, that now there's three people who uh, have told The New York Times uh, that the president has raised questions about the authenticity. It's interesting that Maggie Haberman said that to one senator he talked about maybe hiring people to figure out the authenticity of this. I, that brings me back to the uh, Obama birth certificate where then uh, citizen Trump claimed that he had hired private investigators to go to Hawaii. We actually had or Gary Tuckman, among other reporters, was on the ground in Hawaii talking to pretty much anybody you would possibly talk to. And none of those people he had talked to had heard any had been questioned by any private investigators. And there's no evidence the president ever did hire private investigators like he said he did. Well, Anderson, we, we've been here before. I mean, he said he would hire private investigators. He didn't. He said he was going to sue the women uh, after he became president who had accused him of sexual harassment, uh, over a dozen. Uh, he never did that. So that pattern is, is clear. But there's another pattern that I find troubling, in fact, disturbing. Several people who are acquainted with him and worked with him in New York have told me in the past, you know, sometimes he changes his mind about what happens and he actually starts believing the second version, that it, that it becomes a reality to him. I don't know whether he forgets what the first version was or not, but I think the real issue now is, does he actually believe it's not his voice? Has he, has he changed his mind? In which case, you know, it raises a lot of questions about, uh, about just where he is in life. You know, David Axelrod, it, it, you know, maybe it's because I've been off a week and, it, you know, you, when you're not in this on a daily basis... You, you suddenly look at it from a slight distance and you realize just how friggin' bizarre this is. I mean, yeah. it seemed, when you're doing it every single day, after a while, it starts to seem normal. But when you're away for it for a week and you come back, I, I, I mean, we're talking about the president of the United States telling people now, according to The New York Times, three people that what he apologized for 
what he talked about in the debate that I co-moderated uh, He's losing it. is not authentic. Yeah, you know, uh, you asked earlier <laughs> whether this was some kind of strategy. Uh, I think David Gergen uh, raises a really important Here point. Comes. Uh, I don't know whether it's strategy or sort of a, a, a sociopathology oh. uh, that causes him to say these things. I really don't know if I, I think it may very well be that he persuades himself uh, that he uh, is that this is not his voice, that he persuades himself that he's the most accomplished president uh, in his first 10 months uh, in history, that he persuades himself of these things and really believes it. And that may be one reason why he delivers it in ways that uh, some of his supporters find authentic. Uh, because in his mind, it's absolutely the truth. You see, so they're psychoanalyzing the president now, and they've figured it all out. And they may be onto something. They may be onto something. They're definitely playing into Scott Adams' prediction, though, that there would be a phase where we go from Trump is Hitler to Trump is completely incompetent. And we do seem to be in the incompetency phase now. Now, if Scott Adams' predictions pan out, if I recall off the top of my head, the next phase for Trump would be, um, well, he's getting results, but we don't like him. So um, incompetent begins to fade away. And what we hear more of is, of course, it's not ever a one, one zero switch. It's not binary. It's, it's a gradient. But what you begin to hear more of is, yeah, well, you know, he's gotten some shit done. And uh, I don't really like it, but at least he's getting stuff done. And when you start, you'll hear when you hear the media kind of framing things more like that, then it would seem Scott Adams' next prediction is panning out. But right now, we do seem to be in the incompetence phase. Um, I don't know. I find that interesting. Now, there's a story out there that just sort of really reeks of police corruption. Like, have you ever seen The Shield? Like, Vic Mackey in The Shield? It's, this seems like a story that behind the scenes, Vic Mackey was behind this. A week after Baltimore detective Sean Souter was shot and killed, the revelation from the city's police commissioner was stunning. Souter was set to testify before a federal grand jury the next day against eight elite Baltimore officers already indicted in a police corruption investigation. Uh oh. But the commissioner says there is no evidence that Souter was set up. The BPD and the FBI do not possess any information that this incident is part of any conspiracy. The evidence, in fact, refutes that notion. Police say evidence on Souter's clothing suggests a struggle. A three-second radio transmission may have captured the moment Souter was shot with his own gun. We do not know where these shots came from. We have officers in bad locations. Let everybody take cover somewhere, okay? Souter and his partner were investigating a 2016 triple murder when he approached a suspicious individual in a vacant lot. His partner was across the street at the time of the shooting. Police insist he's not a suspect. An 18-year veteran and father of five, Souter was set to testify against fellow cops for allegedly stealing money, property, oh. and drugs. Oh, that's that's interesting. He was going to testify against fellow cops and then wound up dead right before he was going to testify. <laughs> I mean, I, huh, huh, hmm. Let's talk about something else. Let's talk about something else. Let's talk about Bitcoin. Philippa, thanks very much. The value of Bitcoin has officially gone past $10,000 for the first time. Yeah, and then it went down. And now it's actually, as we record, back up over $10,000, I believe. <laughs> it's up and down. Just days after the cryptocurrency crossed the $9,000 mark. That means the total value of all Bitcoins in existence are worth more than $167 billion. With me to talk about this is June In Wong, who's technology reporter at Quartz. Hi there, June. So who 
is buying Bitcoin to push it up to this extent? I think that's the $10,000 question. Uh, we do know, for instance, that Coinbase, one of the biggest Bitcoin wallet and exchange companies, they've been adding hundreds of thousands of people over the last few days. So it does appear like a lot of retail consumer investors are getting into, into Bitcoin. Is this a bubble? And if it is a bubble, when it bursts, some investors will be seriously short in their digital wallets, won't they? Absolutely. Uh -huh. And I think, you know, speaking to people in the industry, I don't think any, even the most ardent Bitcoin promoter would deny that this is a bubble, that this is overvalued. Uh, many of them have expressed concern and nervousness at how quickly the price has risen. Um, but, you know, it's, it's still quite difficult to, to lend, uh, to borrow money, to buy cryptocurrencies. So you could argue that... It's kind of amazing that it's doing as well as it is. Uh, Coinbase must be really the company that's really raking it in right now. Isn't that something? Makes me wish I would have stuck around mining uh, for forever. I gave up. I gave up ages ago. Just got once you had to switch to ASICs. Just got too rich for my blood. It seemed like the investment in the machinery was not quite worth it unless you could really stick with it. So. I decided to, to not mine anymore, but I kind of regret it. I kind of do. Now, there is a story here that you may have seen floating around the web this week. It was big in Seattle for obvious reasons, here, which you'll see in a moment. Uh, and it made me think about this Bitcoin coverage. This is how the media covered Amazon in 1999. I'm just going to play a bit of it. It's from 60 Minutes, and it's, um, it's obvious there's a bias. It just, like, they just think he's such a joke. They try to make him look like a loser. Jeff Bezos. Amazon only exists on the computer screen. But Bezos does have an office, so we wangled an invitation. And where is Amazon's headquarters? Now, this is where it begins, right here. This is where they begin to make a mockery of Amazon. This is back in 1999. The public relations people told us to come to 1516 Second Avenue between Pike and Pine in Seattle. But when we passed the pawn shop and the porno parlor, the wig store and the down market teriyaki joint. Hey, that teriyaki joint is perfectly fine. That's, that's uncalled for. We didn't see anything that looked vaguely cutting edge. No corporate drives or office towers. Just a heroin needle exchange and an old building called Columbia. Yeah, the Columbia Tower, uh, or like the Columbia Building, sorry, is, uh, it, it, it's, it's very easy to find. Like, they go way over to make it sound like it's buried somewhere. It's, it's so overdramatic already. But it had the number 1516, so we walked inside. You know, the street address. And there it was, the logo known to every web shopper in the world. Upstairs, it doesn't look very high-tech either. More like a college dorm than a corporate headquarters. And then there's the boss. <laughs> you generally hear him before you see him. <laughs> it's the ear-piercing laugh of billionaire Jeff Bezos. Now, I've heard a lot about your desk. It's a door with mm -hmm. four-by-fours. Come on. <laughs> what? I mean, you, you, you can oh. afford a better desk than that. They go through a really awkward interview with Jeff, too, where they ask him lots of personal questions. So that... In a few decades from now, I'm not going to regret it. That's exactly right. Uh, I want to have lived my life in such a way that when I'm 80 years old, I've minimized the number of regrets that I have. And I think actually a lot of people do that. I think they, even if they don't you know, call it something as dorky as regret minimization framework, they, they behave that way anyway. They think that way. 
And but for you, it was not carpe diem. It was not wine, women, and song. No, 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 no. I, the, I don't go in for carpe diem. I go in for regret minimization framework. <laughs> Absolutely. When Bezos left that Wall Street job in 1994, he followed that old American edict, go west, young man. He and his wife didn't know where they were going. In fact, the movers packed their things and were already on the road when Bezos phoned them to say he had decided on Seattle. His other big decision? Books. Sell books. They, and they, through the whole report, they failed to get it, of course. And you get the point now. In fact, you can watch the whole thing if you like. Uh, it is interesting to see them go through and talk about the data center and the recommendation API and the fact that it's way overvalued. Amazon has growth potential that Sears doesn't. A couple of geeks who sketched out some software. <laughs> Sears. Investors are focused on the future. Amazon has growth potential that Sears doesn't. A couple of geeks who sketched out some software could destroy Sears Roebuck. That's the beauty of technology and the microprocessor. We've never seen anything like it. But history has seen revolutions before, one thing supplanting another. Could Amazon and its tributaries be flowing towards the shopping mall and eventually drown it out? If you were running Walmart today, would you feel threatened by Amazon? Absolutely. Would you decide to go after them? Absolutely. Oh, that guy was right. That guy was right. It's interesting. Um, you can watch the whole clip in the supporter sync. There's a trend that I would like your input on um, when you're watching maybe – well, just – I don't know. I was just thinking maybe leave it on the YouTube comments, but then YouTube will profile this video as, uh, as dangerous. But I was going to ask you, what do you think about the fact that gun sales are just exploding? When Obama was president, I thought, oh, well, it's everybody thinks Obama's going to make guns illegal, so everybody's buying guns. And the gun owners, oh, Obama, oh, Obama's the best thing that ever happened to gun shops. <laughs> you know, they do that all the time. But now that Trump's president, it doesn't seem to matter what happens. There's very little talk of changing the gun laws. But yet the FBI says gun sales hit a record day, a record numbers on Black well, the Friday. The FBI says this Black Friday set a new record for gun background checks on a single day. In all, the Bureau received more than 203,000 requests. The previous record set last year was 185,000. The number of gun sales yesterday might be higher than the number of gun checks. That's because a buyer can purchase multiple firearms in a single transaction. It's interesting. It's interesting that they're going like crazy, right? Why are they selling? Why are going? What does that tell us? There seems like there should be some sort of interesting economic data in that. And then for our last clip of the overtime, of course, we were going to continue the live stream. But for our last clip for the overtime today, uh, this is the ultimate bummer when you get busted at work by a student. A teacher in Indiana is facing felony drug charges because video surfaced of what appears to be the teacher cutting lines of cocaine right in her classroom. Uh-oh. Students captured this video as they waited for class to begin. It shows English, the English teacher, 24-year-old Samantha Cox, hunched over a book in her lap. She is now being held on drug charges, including felony possession of a controlled substance. Man, ratted out by your own students. What are you doing not locking the door? Everybody knows when you're doing coke at school, you lock the door. Thanks for joining us, guys. See you next week. Have a good one. Mommy needs a joint.
claiming my time. While you're laughing, the hackers are dropping malware into your OMG, OMG, OMG. Reclaiming my time. <laughs> 